But this is going to be our uh, sixth week of doing this. Um, so we're going to be going through some of that stuff today. And so um, we've covered pretty much all of the questions and stuff that you guys had um, before. Um, so we are at a point where we are ready for something new, a new question that you might have. So I've got all my stuff prepped and ready to go. Uh, we've already prayed, so let's do this. All right, so when it comes to questions that you've always wanted answered from the Bible, what do you got? What do you got? Or what's something that somebody has really bugged you about and you really couldn't answer? Or something that has caused you to leave Christianity and the Bible behind? I don't know. Whatever. Whatever it might be. Yeah. I asked you this a couple weeks ago. Okay. Whether or not, like, modern-day magicians use, like, demons or devils to do things, or if it's just tricks. All right. So, uh... Man, what? There you go. <laughs> See, this is the problem with whiteboards. They don't have spell check. All right, so we got magic. All right, so that's a good one. Who else was here? Yeah, Leah. Like, where in the Okay, okay. So basically, let's see, how can we remember that? Because I think that could be like, um, yeah, we, just kind of, we already covered a little bit of the Old Testament, New Testament. So um, how about this? Because uh, there's some people that say, well, as a Christian, don't you have liberty? Like you can actually do stuff. So is it actually bad for me? Or the Bible condemns, or you want to go that route? It's like, where in the Bible does it condemn my speech, yeah. my behavior? Okay. So, um, let's see. Um, in the B-I-B-L-E. That's, that's the book for me. All right. <laughs> does it condemn... Cussing, drugs, etc. Okay. All right. All right. So I think we might be able to cover both of those today. Any other pressing questions from anybody? All right. So maybe as we go through some of the stuff, something will pop up in your head. All right. So let's talk about magic, shall we? Okay. All right. So when it comes to the topic of, of magic, modern day magicians, that sorts of things, um, I believe that there's a lot of it that um, is just straight up talent and ability that people have, sleight of hand. Um, like when I watch different people, like that one dude that won America's Got Talent, you know, I forget his name. I don't know why I'm forgetting his name now. I know, but the one that's the magician that won. Typically magicians don't win those talent shows. Yes, yeah, Shin Lim, that's right. Um, you're a fan. Yeah, so nice too. I like it. I like watching this stuff. But there's a lot of people that say that he is like somehow possessed by a devil, or that he uses you know devils in his process. But it's, what's funny is, is that there is a quote because sometimes people take it way too far. I remember watching a YouTube video that they basically said they proved that this magician you know uses satanic demonic activity in order to do his his magic, and they use it based on what he mentioned about uh, black magic or the, the dark arts or whatever, the way he said it. Now, they took it and they ran with it in a different direction. But if you actually look up that definition, it talks about magic that's used on a black table. And so you can actually watch him as he does it, and he's excellent at sleight of hand. 
But some of the tr- card tricks that he does where, like, he'll end up, you know, showing you one of his cards and then he'll be putting it quickly down on the table and it seems to disappear. The reason why it looks like that is because the back side of the card is black. And the way the lighting is actually arranged, when he puts that card down, it looks like it completely disappears and it doesn't. And as he does that all over the place, he's actually swiping the cards down underneath the table behind and it clears off the table. So there's little things like that that as you pay attention, you can actually see how they do those sorts of tricks. But at the same time, there is documented evidence that there are magicians that do and they are involved in those sorts of things. Like there are stories of... A lot of celebrities and a lot of uh, magicians that talk about how you know they have a spirit guide of some sort that gives them information that tells them how to be successful. I mean, there are people that have actually said that. Um, I mean, you even think about one that just popped into my head is, uh, um, uh, what was it, um, Tom Brady. He, he came out and his wife is actually like a witch. Yeah. And there are certain things that she does you know, beforehand, and she, she's actually told him before he's won the Super Bowl if he was going to win or not. And it actually came true every single time. And there's certain things that she tells him to do, and then if he doesn't do it, then... And so he's, like, bought into that hook, line, and sinker. And so whether or not his wife, who's a supermodel, is actually following some sort of a spirit guide that's giving her this information, I don't know. But it is possible, and there are certain things that happen that way. Now, the reason why we find these things super, super creepy is we live in a culture where a lot of these things are just not very popular because you don't really see them out front. But if you were to go to other countries, um, it is a lot more prevalent in other countries. You know, if you were to go to Haiti or the Dominican Republic, or if you were to go to places in Central or or South America, you'll find a lot of voodoo uh, type stuff that you can't explain the things that they're doing other than it is straight out satanic. Um, so is it possible that some of these magicians are involved in some of that kind of stuff? Sure. Certainly possible. Um, I don't know if you guys remember the scene. Um, how many of you guys saw Wonder Woman? Okay. There's a lot of people that saw Wonder Woman. Okay. So there's a scene in that movie that really, for me, was like, oh my gosh. Like, that is like exactly how I could see things working. So there's a scene where the lady who's the, uh, the chemist who ends up creating the diseases or whatever that ends up destroying a lot of people where she ends up creating this one that it was like it was it. And they do a flashback and they show this guy who was um, Ares, the god of war, that he floated in and was walking behind her and whispered things into her ear that gave her the idea that then helped her to then create the stuff. And so whether, and she didn't even know he was even there. So whether or not those things are legitimate uh, in this world, I believe stuff like that can happen. I believe that there's no doubt that, that there are devils and different spirits like that that work on behalf of, of the devil himself um, to whisper things into people's ear to give them extra information about certain things that will make them successful. Uh, and then it's, it's, it's really painted and really beautified into something that isn't actually that bad, but actually really is that bad. So I do think that that is possible. Um, i trying to think of the other one that has, uh, that has done that one. Um, like Beyonce? Beyonce has, you know, self-proclaimed that she talks to spirits and they give her additional information that has led to her success. Uh, and that's documented. Um, you know, so there's different people like that, but you don't hear about it that often. You don't. So that's quite interesting. Now, when it comes to this sort of, a sort of thing, uh, the thing that, that we have to really keep in mind is that it is possible. Whenever you read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you will see that devils are active all over the place. 
And you see Jesus casting him out. You see the disciples casting him out or attempting to cast them out. You see that in the book of Acts. But then all of a sudden in our culture, it's like completely gone. And I believe that a lot of the stuff that's going on in the charismatic circles is just a fraud. Um, because the way that we look at this, we talked about this a couple weeks ago. If you're the enemy of God, one of the best things you can do is to create an environment or a facade that is so close to the truth, but just a portion off. And the devil's not an idiot. He knows what's going to freak people out. He knows what's going to freak people out. And so when it comes to those sorts of things, he's very wise about what he does and when he does it. So go ahead and turn with me real quick to, um, let's go to Exodus. Let's see this first. Let's go to Exodus. Exodus chapter 7. Exodus chapter 7. There's two passages I want to look at and kind of talk about in relation to this topic. But in Exodus chapter 7, you have in verse 1, it says, And the Lord said unto Moses, See, I have made thee a god to Pharaoh, and Aaron thy brother shall be thy prophet. Thou shalt speak all that I command thee, and Aaron thy brother shall speak unto Pharaoh that he send the children of Israel out of his land. but I will, And I will harden Pharaoh's heart and multiply my signs and my wonders in the land of Egypt. But Pharaoh shall, Pharaoh shall not hearken unto you, that I may lay my hand upon Egypt and bring forth mine enemies and my people, the children of Israel, out of the land of Egypt by great judgments. And the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord when I stretch forth mine hand upon Egypt and bring out the children of Israel from among them. All right, so this is very important. So right out of the gate, God says, Moses, Aaron, you guys are going to go in. You're going to speak before Pharaoh. And I'm through you. I'm going to show signs and wonders in Egypt that will cause Egypt to be broken. And the Israelites will be sent out of Israel. And specifically in verse 5, and the Egyptians. So that covers everybody in the nation. The Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord when... Not when they see the signs and wonders, when I stretch forth my hand upon Egypt and bring out the children of Israel from among them. So a lot of people will say that like signs, wonders, magic, that kind of stuff, like the Jews, they want to see, all right, Jesus, show us a sign that we may believe that you are who you say you are. But here it says, they'll know that I am the Lord, not when they see something miraculous as far as something visual or a miracle. It's when they see the children of Israel leave. Now, this was huge, because think about this for a second. They have been enslaved in Egypt for how long? Three days? <laughs> yeah. Is it like 400 years? Yes, 400 years. Over 400 years, they've been in Egypt. I mean, 400 years, that's a long time. I mean, how many generations does that include, at a minimum? Like how many years are in a generation? Yep, 40 to 60. So you've got at least five to six generations of people. Talk about ingraining something in a culture. Like things are ingrained in a culture when you go maybe two, three generations, let alone four, five, six generations. So all they've known has been Egypt. So these people are enslaved by the powerhouse of Egypt. And I mean, they are the world powerhouse. God says they're going to know that I'm the Lord when my people are sent out of here. 
that Egypt is broken and my people are sent out. That's huge. That's huge for God to do something like that. All right. And so then look at verse six. And Moses and Aaron did as the Lord commanded them. So did they. And Moses was four score years old. How old's that? 80. And Aaron, four score and three years old, 83 years old, when they spake unto Pharaoh. And the Lord spake unto Moses and unto Aaron, saying, When Pharaoh shall speak unto you, saying, Show a miracle for you. Then thou shalt say unto Aaron, Take thy rod and cast before Pharaoh, and it shall become a serpent. And Moses and Aaron went in unto Pharaoh, and they did so as the Lord had commanded. And Aaron cast down his rod before Pharaoh and before his servants, and it became a serpent. Then, here it is, Pharaoh also called the wise men and the sorcerers, now the magicians of Egypt. They also did in like manner with their enchantments. For they cast down every man his rod, and they became serpents. But Aaron's rod swallowed up their rods. <laughs> I love that. So I love that. So here you have them throwing down a rod, and then you have all the other magicians to do the same thing. And so all this is is a counterfeit of what's actually going on. And so he does this several different times. And so if you were to kind of work your way down through here, and you see here that they turn uh, water into blood, river into blood, and verse 21 of the same chapter, and the fish that was in the river died and the river stank and the Egyptians could not drink of the water of the river and there was blood throughout all the land of Egypt and the magicians of Egypt did so with their enchantments. Same thing. And Pharaoh's heart was hardened. So it gave him a reason not to believe. And then they did it again. If you go a little bit farther in chapter 8, verse 16. And it says, And the Lord said unto Moses, Say unto Aaron, Stretch out thy rod and smite the dust of the land, that it may become throughout, become lice throughout all the land of Egypt. And they did so, for Aaron stretched out his hand with his rod and smote the dust of the earth, and it became lice in man and in beast. All the dust of the land became lice throughout all the land of Egypt. Now think about that for a second. All the dust. How long does it take before you start to clean your room and you find dust in there? Not that long, Okay. And sometimes, a little bit longer, how much dust is in your room? Imagine all the little speckles of dust in your room become lice. <coughs> okay, so that's exactly what happened. Now look at verse 18. Things begin to change. And the magicians did so with their enchantments to bring forth lice, but they could not. So there were lice upon man and upon beast. Then, verse 19, the magician said unto Pharaoh, this is the finger of God. And Pharaoh's heart was hardened. See, here's the deal. Here's what God did. With the other stuff, it could be changed. And it, it could be mocked or it could be uh, replicated. But in this circumstance, God took something that was dead and created something alive out of it. Which is quite interesting how he did that. And that's why they said this is the finger of God. They couldn't replicate that. And this was just the third plague. So you have several more that are going to unfold. But at this point, the magicians are done. So they're able to do it partially but there came a point where they could go no further because they were not God. And here, these guys are God's representatives. So you see here, and the reason why I want to show you this is that is it possible for devils, for Lucifer, for his followers to have supernatural powers to counterfeit the things that could only be done by God? Absolutely. Absolutely. But it will only go so far. It will only go so far. Now, let's take a look at, and this is the other passage that I wanted to see, Second Thessalonians. 2 Thessalonians. Second Thessalonians. Chapter 2. 
Second Thessalonians chapter two. <clears throat> okay, so this is talking about the Antichrist, and so this is going to be happening during the tribulation. But you're going to start to see some of these things as we get closer and closer and closer to the tribulation. And so I want you to just I want you to see this passage that describes him a little bit. All right. So it says in verse four, talking about the son of perdition at the end of verse three, that's another name for uh, the Antichrist, who opposeth and exalteth himself above all that is called God or that is worshiped, so that he, as God, sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. So he is a counterfeiter. One of the things you should see in the Bible as you start to read through it is that you have Christ, okay? And you can read certain things that Christ did on the earth. But then you have the term the Antichrist. And the Antichrist, one of the things that you'll see as a pattern is that the Antichrist will do very similar things that Jesus did almost every step of the way. It's just a little bit off, just a little bit off. But whatever Christ did, the Antichrist is going to do it as well. That's why you have like the Trinity, God, the Father, God, the Son, God, the Holy Spirit. And you have the false Trinity, kind of like the anti-Trinity where you have Lucifer, you have the false prophets. And then you have the, uh, the Antichrist himself, who's the counterfeit of Jesus Christ. So whatever God does, Satan just counterfeits the same thing because he wants to be like the Most High. So he wants to be called God. He wants to sit in that temple showing himself as God because that is the place for Jesus Christ alone. This is what he does. And so then he says in verse uh, 6, And now you know that what withholdeth, that he may be revealed in his time. For the mystery of iniquity doth already work. Only he who now letteth will let until he be taken out of the way. And then shall that wicked, notice it's capitalized, be revealed, whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming. Even him whose coming is after the working of Satan with all, what's the word? Power and signs and lying wonders. And then look at this. His power and his signs and his lying wonders are going to be so powerful. Look at verse 10. And with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish, because they receive not the love of the truth, that they might be saved. And for this cause shall God, this cause God shall send them a strong delusion that they should believe a lie, that they all might be damned who believe not the truth, but have pleasure in unrighteousness. So he, his power, his signs, his lying wonders are going to be so powerful that almost the entire world is going to follow this guy in believing that he is the Messiah. And that's exactly what Matthew 24 says. So look at Matthew 24. Matthew 24. Verse 21, Matthew 24, 21. For then shall be great tribulation, such as was not since the beginning of the world to this time, no, nor, shall, nor ever shall be. And except those days should be shortened, there should no flesh be saved. But for the elect's sake, those days shall be shortened. Then, if any man shall say unto you, Lo, here is Christ, or there, believe it not. For there shall arise false Christs and false prophets and shall show great signs and wonders. There it is. Insomuch that if it were possible, they shall deceive the very elect. So these lying signs and wonders, this power that's going to be shown during the tribulation, except those days should be shortened. I mean, everyone would believe it. 
everyone would believe it. That's how powerful this is going to be. And think about this from the Jewish perspective. They are waiting for their Messiah. Now, they missed him. They missed him the first time, but they are waiting for him. They're a guy that shows up and starts taking care of the nation of Israel. You better believe that they're going to be jumping right in and believing that he is the Messiah. Up until the point that the nation as a whole is going to sign a peace treaty with this guy. That's what it says in Daniel chapter 9. And the whole world for that matter. So this guy's going to have the ability to do signs and lying wonders. And if we spent more time, you'd find out in Revelation, there's all sorts of things he's going to be doing. And probably the most powerful one is that he's going to be killed and he's going to raise himself from the dead. And this is exactly what Christ did, by the way. Christ rose himself up from the dead. And that's just one of the many things that the Antichrist is going to mimic. So this is why you got to be careful. This is why you got to be careful. Because the groundwork is being laid now for the end times. And so a lot of the things that you see happening or you hear happening in a lot of the charismatic churches, and not just charismatic churches anymore. There's a lot of churches. There's a lot of Catholic churches that are starting to adopt charismatic beliefs and charismatic doctrines of tongues and healing and signs and wonders and all that stuff. It's happening in Muslim communities. I mean, if you research it, you'll find that signs and lying wonders are happening all over the place in a lot of different places. Mormons have been saying that they've been speaking tongues for centuries. No one knows about that. Catholics said that they've been speaking tongues since the Dark Ages. I mean, so you start talking about some of this kind of stuff, and it kind of freaks people out a little bit. But you just got to understand what he's trying to play. He's trying to do this kind of stuff. And what's the whole point of signs and lying wonders? Why would someone do that? Mm-hmm. To deceive by distracting you from the Lord. Yeah. So this is why it's so important that you guys understand that our final authority has got to be the Bible. Whatever the Bible says, that's what we believe. It doesn't matter what you see with your own two eyes. You've got to believe it that way. I mean, that's really what it really comes down to. Because to make it as simple as possible, this this book, God has said that He's given to us everything that we need for life and godliness, and everything would include. Um, Oh, I don't know. What's the word? Everything. <laughs> right? He's Everything that we need for life and godliness is in this book. Okay? So that means this book has to be completely and totally without error. Okay. So if an angel showed up at my doorstep or some dude showed up in my community doing lying signs and wonders and then declaring the word of God, what would I do? What would you do? Run. <laughs> what should you do? It may sound stupid, but I'm being serious. What would you do? Come on. This is the, the participation part of the, of the Sunday school class. Not believe him because the Bible says. Okay. Okay, but how would you know that you shouldn't believe him? Or her? <laughs> right? We're in a gender-neutral society. There's a broad spectrum now. Okay. Based on what it says in the Word. Right? So you see a sign. You see this, this miracle happen. Because there's, this happens all the time. I don't know if you guys have talked to some of your friends where this has unfolded. But there are people that say, I've been healed. And it might even be legitimate. Has any of that happened to you guys? Have you heard of any of that? Okay, there's some yes, there's some no. Well, it's only a matter of time before you hear it. I know it happened to my wife. And she can talk about her own sister that was healed from stuff. Whereas miraculously, just, things just disappeared after going forward at a church service, at a charismatic church. Okay, so here's what you do. You take that experience, you take the things that that person says, and then you go to your Bible, 
and you open it up and you compare what they say, what you see, to what the Bible says. That's what you do. Now, how do you do that? Do you know where to go to find stuff like that? Because this is what I'm talking about. During the tribulation, people aren't going to know their Bibles. They're not going to know their Bibles. That's why they're deceived. God has, has revealed everything here. And so if you see something or you hear something and you're like, it's got God's name on it, but I just don't know. Crack open your Bible, find it. And if it lines up with what the Bible says, okay, great. If it doesn't, run away, like my wife said. But here's the deal. Even if it lined up with what the Bible says, why do you even need that? Right? Because if the Bible already says it, why do you need that experience or that person telling it when you can actually open up the Bible and read it and believe it for yourself? You don't. So if you don't need it, then is that really God that's doing it? Because he's already given you everything that you need. Like even down, the Bible is amazing. I don't, if you've ever understood this or not, this, maybe this is the first time you've heard this. This is amazing. In one chapter in the Bible, Matthew 13, as you kind of work through, in Matthew 13, Matthew chapter 13, God gave the nation of Israel every event that was going to occur during church history. Matthew 13. And then in the subsequent chapters after it, God told the Jews everything they needed to do in order to make it through the tribulation. It's amazing that God would do that. So in one book, the book of Matthew, a Jew can read it, get saved, know church history, and know how to make it through the tribulation. Just from the book of Matthew. That's fascinating that God would do something like that. And so the Jews don't need to see anything. They don't need to hear anything. They just need to read the book of Matthew and they will be just fine. And they'll make it into the millennial kingdom. Stuff like that blows my mind that God does stuff like that. But that's what he does. So you don't need any of that other stuff that's out there. And that's what, that's what makes me crazy about a lot of people that are just looking for this next spiritual experience. The only spiritual experience I need is my personal relationship with the Lord and a Bible. That's it. That's all I need. I don't need to go anywhere else in order to find my spiritual experience. That's all I need. And I'm confident in that. But there's a lot of people that are looking for more. They're looking for more. And they're going to be seriously deceived to the point they're going to be thrown into the lake of fire. Okay. So, so much for that encouraging one. All right. So let's see what we got. All right. We got some more time. All right. So we'll tackle this next one. Unless there's any subsequent questions off of that. Do we have everyone like move their seats around a little bit? Get you guys moving a little bit. I know. I'm getting a really sleepy feel. Okay. All right, let's do that really quick. Get up and find a new seat. Not the seat next to you. Except for Jake, you're okay. You can stay there if you want. Because your foot's broken. Yeah, <laughs> if you hate me now, I apologize, but this is for your good. <laughs> oh, thanks. Thanks. Okay. Yeah, he moved. He moved four seats down. Pretty good. Okay. So any questions based off of that? Magic, lying signs, wonders, antichrist. 
any of that kind of stuff. He didn't move. Who? I'm looking at you. Jake? I gave him a pass because his foot's broken. Yeah, his foot's broken. I don't think Megan moved either, though. She didn't. Nah. <laughs> That's right. We got, I our, got shamed. I've been participating. We got we got our two anchor points. <coughs> boom, boom. There you go. All right. Okay. So anything off of that? We good? You want to move on to the next one? Bye. I think a big thing to remember too is we're not looking for signs and wonders. We're looking for Jesus Christ to come back, and that's really it. There's nothing that we need yeah. to see to reaffirm our faith. So if anybody, like you said, is out there proclaiming the word, it could be everything that the word says. That's not what we're looking for. Right. Right. It's true. And frankly, when you think about it for a second, when a person is born again and their life is radically transformed because of their relationship with Christ, that's already an amazing sign and wonder right there. Yeah, Megan. Well, just something I was thinking about, and it's just, it's just thoughts, but it's good to just think about even with like, people that you go to school with, because a lot of you go to, go to school with people that are from other churches, that which we're not bashing, um, that believe in signs and wonders. But I just think about my personal experience of all of that stuff now terrifies me like mm-hmm. to my core but when I was involved in it heavily it was all about like it sounds weird but it was all about a spiritual high yeah. For the, like you kept saying for that next experience but I tell you what just like probably drugs you plummet down from that high mm-hmm. and then you've got to go and seek something else and for me my personal testimony eventually it just wasn't enough for me and then I walked away from the Lord for a while to search for other highs because I was not allowing God to be my final authority yeah. and consistently loving him and loving his word, you know. Yeah. So, I mean, it's it's very dark. It's very creepy. Yeah. And I know it does line up with magic. I mean, it's yeah. some of that stuff. This is very creepy. Yeah. No. And that's a good point because I would be willing to bet that in a lot of – I mean, in churches in general, people struggle with this stuff. So I'm not just labeling it to be this way. But I would say if I were to take a bet and bet money that I don't have, um, I would say that in a lot of charismatic churches, especially very popular charismatic churches, that there's more fornication happening in that church than in most other churches. Uh, there's more drunkenness happening in that church than in any other churches. Um, that there's more partying and drugs and just having a good time than in many other churches. And there's probably a lot more as far as, you know, freedom with their sexuality, um, a lot of more homosexuals, lesbians, uh, bisexuality, all that stuff happening in those churches. I'm, I'm willing to bet it. I'm willing to bet it. Because that church is based on people's experience and their feelings and their emotions. And when those get out of control, then those things are going to happen. They become, they become God. Mm-hmm. And you guys even see that in school. You just do. Look out. So, yeah. Look out. Okay. All right. So with that said, nice segue into drugs, drinking, and cussing. Okay. Okay. So um, so where in the Bible does it condemn cussing, drugs, etc.? Okay. So we looked at... We looked at a passage before about this uh, a few weeks ago, and I think this really applies really, really well. Um, let's go to uh, 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians, just getting some context, Corinth was a very, very carnal place um, where there was a lot of things that were going on that were very ungodly. You had people that were legitimate followers of Christ, but they were involved in carnal activity and some uh, pretty heinous stuff. And so in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, 1 Corinthians 6. We looked at this verse a few weeks ago. 
And this one definitely applies. And then we'll look at another verse that people like to use because they just want to indulge their flesh in so many different things. Okay, so 1 Corinthians 6, verse 12. Someone read that one. Go ahead, Leah. Okay, and this is in the context of sin, and specifically in 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, fornication. So sexual sin. Uh, But prior to that, you have in verse 10, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. So you have those things that are kind of lumped in with it. But here, he says in verse 12, all things are lawful unto me, but all things are not expedient. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be brought under the power of any. So as a Christian, when you are born again, are your sins paid for? Yes. Which sins? All of them. Past, present, and future. Now, there's a lot of people that call themselves Christians that do not believe that because they say, okay, you can claim to get Christ, but then afterward, if you go and you get drunk or you go sleep around or you start doing drugs, you can lose your salvation or whatever, whatever the conditions are. But try to draw a line on when you lose your salvation and they can never pin it down. It's just terrible. So anyway, so he says here, because my sins are paid for, past, present, and future, he says all things are lawful, which means what? Mm-hmm. So if you, as a born-again believer, go and do drugs, are you going to heaven? Yes. If you, as a born-again believer, go and sleep around and then commit suicide, are you going to heaven? Yes. Name the worst thing. If you were to go rob a bank and murder 26 children, would you go to heaven? Yes, you would. Now, this sounds weird sometimes. You're like, <gasps> but when you think about it, Christ paid for your sins, past, present, and future. Now, within that context, not necessarily the bank robbering and, you know, killing children, but look at verse 12 again. All things are lawful unto me, but all things are not expedient. Of course not. What's the definition of expedient? Yeah. Okay. Sorry, I beat you to the punch. Jack. He's basically saying all things aren't okay. You know, like, you shouldn't do all things. Okay. Okay, good. Now, let me show you. When you come across stuff in the Bible, here's what I do. Okay? I open up, and we're going to go to... What? I was selling some stuff for my mower. All right. So, all right. So, we're going to go to Webster's 1828. Okay? So, you can look this up. They have some apps in the App Store, but there's really not a whole lot when it comes to this one that's very, very good. All right, so now I want to look up the word expedient. Now, why do we use a Webster's 1828? Yes. So dictionaries historically, I don't know if you ever knew this. Here's another fun fact. Uh, But dictionaries were based on the Bible. The whole concept of the dictionary came out because there are certain words in the Bible that people did not understand. So a guy that was a born-again believer... He was a Bible believer. He started taking those words from the Bible and compiling them in a book. And then he would take the context of that verse and he would create the definition based on that context and he would give the verse reference for what that word actually means. That's what dictionaries used to be. 
Now you look at a Webster's Dictionary, it has nothing to do with the Bible. But Webster, Noah Webster, was a born-again believer, and he believed the Bible, and he created that whole concept. So the 1828 and the 1913 um, uh, dictionaries are the most accurate when it comes to actually defining words in your Bible. Now, I always would check that because I don't just run with whatever Webster says. I would actually take that word and I would search it throughout the scriptures. But this is just a quick way to do it because we just don't have the time. All right. So here we go. Expedient. All right. Expedient. It says, literally hastening, urging forward, hence trending to promote the object proposed, fit or suitable for the purpose, proper under the circumstances. Number two, useful or profitable. Number three, quick or expeditious. Okay. So all things are lawful for me unto me, but all things are not expedient. All things are not useful. All things are not profitable. Those are great synonyms. So when you think about that for a second, if you have a born-again believer and they go and they do something crazy, like they say they're married and they commit adultery and they, they sleep with their neighbor's wife or husband, is that profitable? No. no. Why? Okay, it doesn't glorify God, but more practically... Hurts your testimony, destroys your family, hurts your wife, husband, kids, family members. So there, there are, there's fallout to this, okay? So just that principle alone, because we don't have time to go into any more huge detail. The book of Galatians talks about that we have liberty in Christ, right? We do. We have the liberty to do whatever we want because Christ died for us, which is amazing. But that does not mean that you are free from the consequences practically. Like you might be free from some eternal consequences like your salvation and you get to go to heaven and stuff but as far as the crowns that you're supposed to inherit because of your testimony before the lord you've lost those whatever christ would entrust to you in the future with his future kingdom you've kind of lost out on that but you still get to go to heaven which is amazing which is better than the alternative am i right i would hope so okay so but when you think about it just practically when it comes to cussing and vulgar language and speaking inappropriately, how is that profitable? In what way is that useful? Name me one way that is profitable and useful and I will give you the stamp of approval to go and do it. So why do we do it? The only way that it's profitable and useful is for me. That's it. And that is not godly whatsoever because you're glorifying self over God. But as far as how it affects other people, I mean, why do you think today even lost people, like they see kids, well, some, some are just callous beyond belief, but there are some lost people that they will not use terrible language around children. Or if they do and they realize, they go, oh, I'm sorry. Or there are some circumstances where people might, uh, like they find out that I'm a pastor and they say, they start to, they're like, well, I'm just tired of this. I'm, I'm sorry. I just, I'm like, okay, so you feel like you need to talk differently just because I'm around? Like I, no, don't apologize to me. Apologize to God. And, and secondly, you're showing me that you actually can have self-control and that you don't need to speak that way because you just stopped yourself, which is quite fascinating. So the same thing when it comes to drinking or drugs or anything like that. How is that profitable? How is that useful? It's not. So just take that principle and measure that up to your life and then see what falls out. And it should probably stay out of your life. 
Is it useful? Is it profitable? Can you do it? Absolutely. Can you go see that new movie that, you know, has all this junk and trash in it? Absolutely. You can totally go and do that. You can totally go and stay up until the wee hours of the morning playing video games. You can do and hang out with this person. No one's stopping you. You have the liberty to go and do that. Can you go to a party where people are drinking? And can you absolutely go for it? Can you go and smoke marijuana? Sure. Why not? Just take, you know, that's the gateway drugs. Just step it up a little bit and go to cocaine and just start doing some other stuff. Can you do that? Absolutely. Go for it. Okay. But here's the, here's the reality. Is it useful and is it profitable as a child of the king, as an ambassador of Jesus Christ in this world? Is it useful and is it profitable? And the survey says, no. no. Okay, so then don't do it. It really is that simple. Yeah. Sorry. It's fine. You're alive. And so that's why this is such a great practical one to do. I mean, would you ever take your own hand and just say, you know what? I'm just going to start, bam! And you just start nailing your hand. You just start going into it. You just start cutting your fingers off. How is that useful and profitable for you? It's really not. In fact, some people might actually think that you're borderline out of your mind and need to be in a mental institution. Right? And yet people do this stuff all the time, not in that circumstance, but damaging and hurting their body, the Lord's reputation, creating baggage that they now need to carry for the rest of their life, scarring the callousness that comes spiritually because of stuff like that. I mean, just think about that a little bit. You just got to think a little bit. So this is a great biblical principle. All things are lawful unto me, but all things are not expedient. All things are lawful unto me. And then here, and this kind of goes under what Megan was talking about, but I will not be brought under the power of any. And I think this is another great one. Is there anything in your life right now where you, like, it has control of you? Like, if you were to not do whatever that is for three days, that it would actually be a struggle for you not to do. Well, then you're under its power. I mean, you just need to think about things like that. Like, maybe you're binge-watching a TV show right now, and you're like, I can't even imagine not watching that for three days. Okay, well, then does it have a little bit of control over you? It absolutely does. So you need to start recognizing stuff like that. That is a piece of advice that is just golden for the rest of your life, thinking about things like that. Not allowing anything to bring you under its power except for Christ and Christ alone. Okay. All right. Any questions off that? Okay. All right. Sounds good. When we are done, let's go ahead and pray. And... um,
Remember, next Sunday is going to be camp uh, due date for money and forms. If you got any questions about that with some of your friends or for yourself, let me know. And uh, we can make sure to have all that stuff taken care of. All right. God, thank you so much for your word. It really does give us everything we need, everything that we need for our life and how to be godly. And I pray that we would believe that and obey it. Um, I know there are many people today that are on vacation and that are out of town. I pray, God, that you'd protect them and watch over them and keep them safe and bring them back home safely. Um, I do pray that we'd have a a great turnout at camp, um, not for the numbers, God, but just for the opportunity that we have to really reach people and for people to hear your word. I'm so excited to hear from Pastor Mike. And I pray, God, that that would be something that um, uh, that we all would just have a huge heart for because the things that he's working through right now in his family and his heart and in his life are just critical and they're life-changing. And so I'm just very thankful that he's going to be coming. We do pray for Josie continually, that you would be with her and the rest of her family as she goes through uh, the treatments that she's going through for her cancer. And um, God, that you would heal her. Um, and so we put all these things in your hands. We thank you. We love you. We trust you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.